We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. I'm Jeff Erickson here today with Michael Beller from The Athletic. As always, our podcasts are sponsored by Yahoo DFS. Thank you, Yahoo, for your sponsorship. Beller, what's going on? How are you doing, man? I am doing very well, Jeff. This feels good. I think this is my first time back on a Rotowire property in like 12 years or something like that. I don't know how we didn't ever have you on XM. I, that's crazy. I, well, I'm glad we're rectifying that now. Um, <laughs> when P&O had you on the Yahoo Baseball one, I was like, Duh, Beller, that'd be perfect to have on. And so yeah. there we are, especially because yeah, of the right. history and all that. I mean, you're one of our first Madison hires, maybe yeah. the first. Yeah, I think I think DVR and maybe a couple other guys beat me to it. Guys who were in Madison. I was home for the summer when I learned that you guys were moving, but uh, it was still a time I remember very, very fondly. Not only because I was in college, I loved uh, loved going to that office a few times a week for a couple of years. 
Nice, nice. And uh, yeah, those were good times. We had a lot of uh, Madison's been very good to us. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit first about uh, what's going on in the NFL. There's all sorts of injury news this year. Some years you get oh, like there's not much in the news cycle this year in the preseason. I don't think that's been a problem. You know, starting on day one with AJ Green, uh, the Andrew Luck saga continues uh, to uh, perplex us. Uh, it's ongoing. You know, he's not practicing this week. He's not going to play in the th- the third preseason game. I just saw a note that the uh, Colts aren't going to use any of their starters in their third preseason game. It's kind of, you know, going to make it even harder for us to handicap the Colts. Yeah, Matt Nagy, a trendsetter last year, right? Not using any of his starters in the Bears' third preseason game. I think we're going to see a lot more of it. For me, these injury guys... Um, I I pretty much just write them off uh, completely off my draft board. There's so many uh, unknowns already. Uh, You know, there's so many things that we know are going to happen in the future, but we can't possibly know what they are Mm -hmm. that I don't see any reason uh, to get yourself tied to any of these guys, especially when there are so many good options. I mean, you're not even getting a huge discount on AJ green. Right. Um, ju- just yet. And I mean, that to me is shocking. I can't believe that there are still people who are willing to uh, treat him as a top 30 wide receiver. I mean, that's basically the best case in every term that he comes back at the very beginning of his timeline, that he is himself right away. And that he plays like the guy we know him to be right away for me. I just, you know, if, if he die, I love AJ green. If he does, that's great but it's not going to be uh, to my fantasy benefit. Yeah. I'm in lockstep with you on this one here, Michael. Um, just, you know, I, 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 I look at everything that uh, all, all the drafts that I've been in, I over seven and getting green so far. And I don't anticipate that changing. I see him going into the fourth round in the roto online championship, for instance, there uh, that's 97 drafts over at the folks at the NFFC. That's end of the fourth round. I just, that's your number two or in some cases, number one receiver. I'm not there for that. The opportunity cost is enormous. I mean, there are still a lot of guys that no matter who you are, there are plenty of dudes out there that you like at that spot. So you're passing on, uh, on plenty of people who not only are they healthy to start the season, uh, but that you should be liking that you should be backing. And certainly you can find a, a few guys that you're going to back there. So I just don't get it. And uh, I, Andrew Luck, I think is a little bit of a different case just because of how easily you can backfill quarterback uh, in a one QB sure. league. So I could get, I can get on board with that a little bit more. Um, and I actually did just take him in a mock uh, and followed it up immediately with Jameis Winston knowing that uh, yeah, I can very easily trust Jameis and maybe Jameis. I mean, there's even a percentage chance that Jameis is the better fantasy quarterback this season. So I can understand the Andrew Luck love still sitting out there a little bit. But for me, guys like A.J. Green, as much as I uh, do trust him most years, I just can't understand taking him knowing what we already know about him. Andrew Luck, even in the month of August, when, when he, we've known more about what's going on with him, he's still QB5. You know, he's going at 85 overall, you know, and this is 56 drafts in the online championship that I'm using from the NFFC. That, I mean, when you can get Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz at a similar price, yeah. I mean, and I like Jameis, too, by the way. I, I think there's going to be a lot of volume there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that pick. Yeah, that's a little rich still at QB5. Uh, I, I could, he, for me, I, I'm more willing to take the luck plunge once those first, the guys who were basically treating as the top, seven or eight quarterbacks. So maybe like after Ryan, after Wentz, 
after maybe throw Cam Newton in there if you believe mm -hmm. uh, that the shoulder's totally healthy. That's when I'm willing to think about taking Andrew Luck, knowing I can back him up immediately with another quarterback who I feel good about early in the season. I think you're right about the backfill issue there, and that's why you know that's why he's he's held up a little bit more. I'm definitely downgrading T.Y. Hilton along with him though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, I think really uh, almost everyone in the offense. And like, I don't think that this works to like Marlon Mack's benefit. For example, I think obviously it doesn't work to you know, T.Y. or the tight ends or Paris Campbell. Uh, that goes without saying. Uh, but I think that you just don't even want to get tied up in a, in a team where you're not sure what their starting quarterback situation is going to be early on in the season. And that's I guess that is a knock on Jacoby Brissett. He's probably one of the better backups in the league. But. Obviously, this whole team changes without Andrew Luck, and now you're not scoring as many points, you're not converting as many third downs, you're not putting up as many yards, and that just has a detrimental effect on everyone with a major role in the offense. So even though there's been a lot of good talk about Marlon Mack and him, the possibility of him being a three-down back this season, I just think that with the Andrew Luck situation being what it is, another guy that you have to look at a little bit warily going into your drafts. Yeah, absolutely. And Paris Campbell, you mentioned him. He's got his own health issues, too. Mm -hmm. Right. And rookie ride, ride receivers that aren't getting reps. Yeah, that's that's a favorite growth category of mine, <laughs> also known as the John Ross category. <laughs> yeah, typically doesn't work out too well. Yeah. And he's hurt again. You know, yeah. and, you know, you know, I'm a Bengals fan. It's it's <laughs> supremely frustrating to see what little they've gotten from their first round picks the last three years. It's it's super, super frustrating there. But in the especially in the case of uh, Ross. I mean, they reached up to get him. It was a big deal that they got, oh, we want speed, speed, speed. He's had three injuries already. Let's, let's just ignore that. Okay. Uh, speed. He's fast. Uh, <laughs> and Marvin Lewis never played him. That was great, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm not bitter or jaded or anything like that. You don't uh, sound like you are at all. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, plenty of other news uh, to talk about. Uh, plenty of other guys that we're, we're concerned about. Mike Evans. He's dealing with a quad injury, mispracticed today, Wednesday. Uh, unlikely to play in the third preseason game, uh, the Friday game against Cleveland. You know, it's the third straight day he's been able to, uh, that he's sat out practice after uh, suffering it on Sunday's practice. Uh, how worried are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, like a 2, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just barely registering the fact that he has sat out uh, a couple of practices in a row. So I guess I can't say a 1. But this doesn't seem like anything big. It's got – I think if it were if it were worse, we would probably know by now, know like three, four days in. Uh, so I really think that this is probably one of those – you know, if this popped up in the regular season, if this happened to him, uh, you know, week one or week two, uh, you wouldn't really be worried about it come Thursday or Friday of that week. That's what it sounds like to me at least. So, yeah, not concerned at all. And, again, circling back to what we talked about with Jameis, uh, I, I just think that – that's a passing game that you really want to invest in. And Mike Evans, for me, still remains a rock-solid, easy wide receiver one, easy top ten receiver. Uh, absolutely love him at his ADP. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. Um, and listen, I were talking about this on uh, XM today. Uh, one problem that we're dealing with, you know, you always deal with in training camp and the preseason is getting good information on these these injuries. During the re you know regular season, there's re reported uh, – and there's required reporting mandates. Now, some take, you know, some follow the letter of the law. Some actually follow the spirit of it. Some you get, but usually you get some better reporting. You have an idea that they're going to be able to play that week. You just have to do the bare minimum right now. And it, it's, it's from us, from a drafting standpoint, it's really frustrating. What if you knew, you found out that 
you know, Evans injury or Odell Beckham Jr.'s hip injury was going to cause him to miss a game or two. That happened with Beckham before where we thought it was just this innocuous, you know, preseason injury. And it turns out, oh, well, he's going to miss a couple games instead. You know, that that's a big deal on his draft value. It's definitely a big deal on his draft value. Uh, and it, let's say it was that situation where we, we knew it was going to cost him time, but only a game or two. Then I'm pushing them behind. Like, I'm, I'm not, you know, guys like that, guys like Mike Evans. I'm not pushing Mike Evans from you know, wide receiver seven to wide receiver 15 because he's going to miss one or two games. Maybe I'll push him behind those guys who are still in the same tier. Maybe I'll put him at the bottom of that tier or the top of the very next tier. Uh, but we're still talking about, special talents who have monster roles in what we expect to be uh, not only good offenses, but very friendly to their strengths. I don't think you want to downgrade them too much. The difference with AJ green is we know AJ green is going to be missing a significant time in the regular season that he has, does have a little bit of an injury history and could be when he comes back, not only shaking off some rust at the start, but playing for a very bad team. So uh, there's a little bit more at play with, uh, with AJ Green than there is with the potential of Mike Evans missing uh, some time early in the season. So still, even if we were to find that out over the next week or so, I wouldn't be pushing him down too far. My draft board, maybe a little bit, but still treating him as a low end wide receiver, one high end wide receiver, two in the absolute worst case. How about Beckham? He's been out a week now with this hip injury. Yeah, Beckham is. Uh, so Beckham's my wide receiver one coming into the season. So I, is he? I All right. he is, he is. And now because of the fact that he's my wide receiver one, I'm getting a little bit concerned, but I'm still treating him. You know, if, if, if I sit down at a draft table a week from now and he's still not practicing, then, you know, I'm taking Deandre Hopkins over him and Julio Jones over him, but I'm still treating him as that top group Hopkins, Jones, uh, Michael Thomas, Devonte Adams. I think Juju Smith Schuster deserves to be in there as well. So mm-hmm. I'm still putting Beckham in that group and not putting him into the next Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Adam Phelan group. I still would treat him as that first tier of wide receiver, even if this happens. I just think that the upside uh, with Cleveland in this offense is immense for Beckham this season. It is. It really is. It's funny when you get, you throw the weight of you know Eli, not you know throwing these horrible passes to him. That's gone now. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty inspiring. Yeah. Uh, not impressive, I should say. It's uh, pretty inspiring. Yeah, I really think that, uh, assuming this hip is is nothing, that we are going to have a newfound appreciation for Odell Beckham. And our appreciation for him is already pretty darn strong, but uh, just it, it, everything comes together for him in this offense. He, he's got yep. a a good quarterback, a guy who can throw the deep ball. He's still going to be, even with all these mouths to feed, he's still going to be the centerpiece of the attack. Uh, and, and that's great because Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, David and Joku can take some attention away from him. Certainly more than was ever granted uh, during his time with the giants. And the big piece for me that really ties it all together is the ultra aggressive uh, standpoint or the ultra aggressiveness of this offensive brain trust Beckham, or excuse me, Baker, uh, uh, Freddie kitchens and Todd Munkin three, a uh, very aggressive quarterback, a very aggressive head coach and a very aggressive offensive coordinator. Yep. I think they're going to make great use of Odell Beckham and that we're going to see his best season yet. I think you're right about that. Um, I, it's just a matter of, I think there is that slight, uh, slightly higher than average risk of him not staying on the field. Uh, just, be, I think you have to, that's why he goes below Hopkins for me a little bit. Why I actually have Juju ahead of him too, but, uh, that's, in fact, so uh, we, we can get into this now real quick. I know we're doing picks and pans later, but uh, I'm panning David Johnson. 
Uh, maybe I, I know we're not supposed to pay attention to the preseason, but what about last season? What about the season? You know, you know, what, it's been a while since he's been the guy that we're expecting. He accumulated 1,100 yards last year, but he never really seemed like that guy. Uh, I'm not taking him four or five. Yeah, I'm not taking him four or five either. I wouldn't say I'm panning him. I'm still very happy to take him uh, basically after that first group of receivers. Uh, okay. So I'll take the first four backs and I'll still take Zeke there. And then I will take my first, probably my first like four receivers. And then I'll get on a David Johnson. So I guess that's a, maybe a relative pan because you're not um, going to get him at nine. Cause yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but, I, but I, I, I feel like, I feel like the, that we should believe that this offense is going to support him uh, at a much greater level than what last year's offense did. Now I, I'm not saying that we're going to see 2016 David Johnson. We may never see that again. And that's just a function of, the, of the, the mere fact that that was a ridiculous 2,000 plus yard from scrimmage, you know, 20 touchdown year or whatever it was. Uh, but I just think that there was so much of so much of his struggles was tied up in being just a completely bland, insipid offensive attack last year. Yes. A quarterback who didn't know what he was uh, doing. A, a team that just could not get any separation, couldn't scheme any separation for their receivers. And it's almost remarkable that he was able to grind his way to a, uh, what running back 10 finish, I believe it was. So I think that you put Kyler there, you put Cliff Kingsbury there and suddenly there's a whole lot more enthusiasm and creativity in the offense. And that boosts him up a little bit. Uh, but I do still think that there is uh, enough risk to uh, warrant putting him behind that first group of wide receivers. Yeah, I, I have no fear about the scheme. Uh, to be clear, I'm not panning the scheme at all. I, I think I'm, it will help him. I, 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 my concern is almost exclusively based on the offensive line. I, I just yeah. think that it's going to be a horrific offensive line. I haven't s- seen personnel moves that encourage that, encourage me to think otherwise, let alone performance. The big thing I think for him is that that's going to help him is that he's going to be, I mean, is he going to get more targets than Larry Fitzgerald? I think they could, I think they could be somewhat similar. I mean, there's going to be a lot of work for him in the passing game. We know what Kingsbury did uh, during his college days. He's going to want to bring a lot of that to the NFL. I think we could see a whole lot of David Johnson split out, split out as a wide receiver in empty backfield sets. And I think that that helps mitigate some of the offensive line concerns. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. Before we move on, a quick note from our friends at Sports Predictor. The team of professional sport of professional bettors at sportspredictor.com are an elite group of long-term winners. They're here to help you beat your bookie. One, they win. The entire team at Sports Predictor has a proven profitable edge. Two, they're data-driven. They use predictive sports models to consistently find value. Three, they're honest and transparent. Every pick for every capper every day is published on their website. Four, subscribers are limited. Every sports predictor package has a subscriber limit, and when that number is hit, it is closed to new members. Five, they educate betters with informative articles and the Sports Predictor podcast to help you learn from professionals. Choose from a professional handicapping service that operates with integrity and a winning edge. Choose Uh, sportspredictor.com. We're talking uh, general picks and pans, some news here sprinkled in with uh, the Athletics' Michael Beller. Uh, Beller, tell everybody, what are you doing with The Athletic right now? I know this is a new gig for you. You've been there in about a month now, right? 
Yeah, I started about a month ago, and it's uh, it's a it's really new ground for me. I uh, my entire time in this industry, both in in fantasy, uh, in sports, and in other areas of journalism that I've worked in, I've always been a writer and a reporter. And now I am primarily doing uh, podcast hosting and uh, production. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been uh, fun to be part of a, a really robust fantasy team. Um, Derek Van Riper obviously is our big fantasy podcast guy. You know DVR very well, as yep. do I. Uh, spent a, you guys spent a ton of time together at Rotowire. He and I overlapped uh, as students at Wisconsin and interns at Rotowire before he started there full time. So it's been really fun getting to be back on the same team as him. And then, of course, we've got a uh, just a really robust operation across the entire fantasy enterprise. So it's been both fun to become part of this team and to do something totally new uh, while still getting to write a little bit. Uh, it's just been, yeah. uh, it's only been one month in, but I've been loving every minute of it. You're a big college guy. I know that um, you did a, a big 10 only college fantasy football draft the other day. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I love, I love big 10 football. I don't care what anyone says about it. And, uh, as do I, yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's great. Uh, I, I have to, I stole this name from our pal from Yahoo, Andy Barron's, but we named our league, the only legitimate conference. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's, uh, it's me and five good friends, two Wisconsin guys, two Ohio state guys, one Michigan guy. And we deigned to let in a Maryland guy as well, even though I still don't uh, fully treat them as a true big 10 member, but he really wanted to do the league. So why the heck not? And it was, I mean, we were, we were I mean, flying blind after a while, I can admit, but uh, it, it's going to be fun. And it's just going to be another way to enjoy college football and enjoy the big 10 all year long. So Barron's put together a big 10 league that I did about two or three weeks ago. And the flying blind part is absolutely right. <laughs> I, I used to do a lot of college fantasy football. I used to be really big into that. Then I had kids. Um, and then something had to give a little bit bandwidth right. got sh- shrunk, especially cause I we're big in AYSO, which stands for all your Saturdays are occupied. Uh, <laughs> but it, 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 I love soccer. I mean, love coaching soccer. love my kid playing. I still try to watch every Northwestern game. Uh, it may, but occasionally I have to watch it on, you know, uh, on record, you know, and all that and kind of try to get radio silence. Although it's so impossible not to find things out, even, you know, we're not a big national program, but you know, I, I get like text alerts on my phone or things like that. And it's like, Oh, I forgot to shut that down. You know, it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, but yeah, playing college fantasy football is a blast. If you get, if you have the time to do it, it's great. I, I've been, I've played over 20 years ago. I've, in fact, when we were starting Rotowires, when I first started playing college fantasy football, I was in an ESPN chat room, uh, and I just, it was right, you know, at the invention of uh, start of college football, right. When Northwestern went to the Rose bowl, that's when college football started. Right. Uh, that's the joke <laughs> at least, but, uh, um, we, uh, you know, I started chatting there and got to meet some, you know, meet people from various school organizations. And the guy, this Tennessee guy said, Hey, you want to jump in this fantasy league? And yeah, sure. So we, I was all over these mountain West guys. Like I was over, over Timmy Chang, uh, and you know, Devon Bess, oh man, the system teams. Yeah. I mean, you know, June Jones was the patron saint, you know, and then Texas tech came along and you're like, Whoa, that was awesome too. So I, I finally remember all my college fantasy football leagues, but it's been about five years since I've played it, maybe even longer since I played in a serious league. Yeah. This is my, my first one actually. And it's a, it's a good way to start because, 
you know, my, my, my buddies are you know, big 10 guys and, you know, we all follow the, our teams in the conference very closely, but as you get a little bit further out and further out and further out, maybe it gets a little bit harder to keep tabs on every single team and every single conference. So I'm very happy that we can, uh, that we can do this and get a little bit more in depth, uh, into, into the big 10. And, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just really happy that I got the first pick. So I was able to get Jonathan Taylor. Ah, Homer pick. <laughs> no, he didn't get Bowser. I did not. I did not. I actually Ooh. accidentally um, didn't get anyone from Northwestern. It really, I didn't. I didn't set out to do that. Accidentally. But, uh, All right. <laughs> I did, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, Pete actually uh, uh, tweeted something at me uh, saying, "Like, I'm sure you went uh, Northwestern every pick after Taylor." And then I looked at my team and I was like, "Actually, I I went zero Wildcat, which uh, I guess feels kind of like the right move." Now pipe down. Now, <laughs> I, honestly, though, we're we're not the most fantasy friendly team. This is not your Randy Walker Wildcats. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, tell you that much, man. Those were some fun days. Uh, Fifty four, fifty one over Michigan. Great times. <laughs> Great times. All right. Enough uh, reminiscing about Big Ten and all that. Uh, let's talk a little bit more of what's going on here. Uh, you know, uh, in the NFL, there's a lot of other news here. Uh, the Jaguars are starting to get a little bit of definition with their receiving core. Sneakily, I think they might have a lot of attempts this year. I think that you know, you look at their coordinator, offensive coordinator. He likes uh, he, he likes to throw the ball a lot. Uh, De Filippo uh, is one of the reasons why he's no longer the Vikings coordinator. Uh, but I think Nick Foles is getting a lot of attempts, and it's, I think sneakily there's going to be some value among these Jacksonville wide receivers. D.D. Westbrook has recovered from his injury. Um, Marquise Lee is off the pup list. Who do you like in that Jacksonville receiving core? Uh, so I've always been a D.D. Westbrook guy uh, going back to his days at Oklahoma. I think he's just a really talented receiver. I think he's the most talented receiver on that team. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think mm-hmm. that that's ultimately going to going to climb him up to the top, uh, not only of the depth chart, which he pretty much already is at, but I think he's going to end up pretty much leading that team across the board targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. It might not result in a top 20 season, but I think it's going to result in a year where if you've got him on your team, you're starting him more often than not. Interestingly, we actually just had um, the uh, Jaguars beat writer from the athletic Philip Heilman on okay. uh, a podcast earlier this week, and he keeps going back to Chris Conley. And he says really? you know, Conley and Foles uh, spent some time together in Kansas City. They have a very good relationship with one another. He's out there running with the ones, uh, has been all training camp all summer, and that he and Foles keep connecting for big plays. So he's someone who you know, I didn't really have on my radar until we talked uh, to Philip, but now definitely someone who I'm thinking about. And if I was inclined to go in any direction in Jacksonville other than Westbrook, not this is not before Westbrook, this would certainly be much later after right, Westbrook's right, of already course. off the board. But Conley could be a guy who I circle back to as my you know, sixth or seventh wide receiver uh, based on the reports that are coming out of training camp. But it just seems like he and Foles are really in concert with one another. So it's interesting. We did the stake, the Rotowire Stake League auction, and I needed a bunch of cheap receivers. I wanted to go for some upside. I guess I should have gone with Conley. I instead was hoping I could uh, enjoy Chark Week at some point uh, and took DJ Chark. I like the upside. I like the draft pedigree. He's hit. He hit on some big plays last year. Didn't have a whole lot of volume. Maybe I should have gone Conley instead. Yeah, it just seems like, uh, at least from what we heard, that that's going to be a guy who 
uh, just because of his head start uh, and, his, and his relationship with Foles, is going to be someone who uh, really gets uh, an opportunity early in the season. Chark was the third guy he mentioned. Okay. Uh, so it, it, it does seem like uh, like uh, Marquise Lee, just because of the injuries he's had, because of how far behind he's starting this summer, that he is sort of off the radar uh, at this point. Terrell Pryor is there. Uh, it remains to be seen if he'll actually break it, make the team. Doesn't exist uh, to me. Does, I, yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Who's that uh, ghost he, catching passes? <laughs> he's been he's been burning the uh, the twos in practice apparently, which uh, I guess makes a little bit of sense. But uh, yeah, Chark. Uh, could, I think he fits in that same sort of uh, category when you're looking at this in a purely fantasy context. That uh, a guy because of the quarterback upgrade from, from Bortles to Foles and because of DeFilippo's history, uh, def, a guy who you maybe throw a dart at late in drafts. I will say, though, that obviously DeFilippo's uh, tendencies got him run out of Minnesota, and that was a team that had two excellent receivers. So right. it wouldn't shock me to see him you know, turn maybe a little bit away from that given just the structure of the offense in Jacksonville. could be a very heavy or as heavy as can be Leonard Fournette offense. Sure. I could see that. I, I could definitely see that uh, happening too. Do you find uh, in your new capacity that you're more piped in on all these teams that uh, you are better prepared for your drafts because you're, you're working with these writers, you're doing these pods. Uh, do you find yourself more connected these days? 100%. We have a podcast where we have a beat writer on, we do it twice a week and we go like 40 minutes uh, with the beat writer on their team and there's just there's no substitute, especially when you're I mean, you know, this is the, we are blessed to be able to do what we do for a living. But yeah. it's still work and we still have our obligations and we still have life outside of it. So there's only so much you can do now that my job or part of my job is dedicated to spending 40 minutes twice a week with a beat writer talking about one team. Uh, I couldn't have possibly substituted that uh, previously. Right. So definitely feel uh, like I'm going to have a little bit more of a leg up going into my drafts this year because of this. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point. Um, and you know, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I already subscribed to athletic, uh, is for that reason. So I can get, you know, access to the, the direct access and cover the way you know, people want to cover it. Like you have, you know, Saris for instance, and he always knows he, not just does he cover it, but he asks the right questions. That's the thing I love about him. And that, you know, that's baseball obviously, but, uh, if fancy players are often frustrated, by reading reports from reporters that don't necessarily ask the right questions that matter to us. Like, when's he really going to be back? What's the real deal <laughs> with this? Don't just get, you know, parse through the coach speak a little bit. And I find that the athletic is a little bit stronger in that capacity. Oh, well, thanks, Jeff. We, uh, we strive to be better in, in that capacity, certainly. So it's good to, uh, good to hear from a subscriber. All right. Very good. Uh, before we move on, uh, another uh, note from one of our sponsors, this one from Play Balto. Looking for another NFL pick'em contest? Well, we have the one for you, and you can compete against Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana, who is hosting a free-to-play NFL Pick'em contest with our friends at www.playbalto.com. That's B-A-L-T-O. The winner takes home $1,000, and the GOAT himself has already an early entry into the contest. Aside from competing against Joe, you'll also get to see his picks each week and find out if his football IQ translates off the field. What are you waiting for? Join today at playbalto.com. That's P L A Y B A L T O.com. 
Michael, we, we're talking a lot of picks and pans here. We mentioned a couple. You mentioned a couple guys at the top of your board. Let's move on to where the draft gets real, because I mean, we all have our preferences in the first and second round, but at the end of the day, they're elite players. I want to know more. Like, what are you doing? Like, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, running back two, running back three. Give me some of your picks and pans. Uh, so one guy who uh, I have, I I have to be the highest on him in the uh, entire fantasy universe, and he's going. He's starting to climb up draft boards a little bit. Uh, but has mostly spent the the summer as a mid-tier running back, too, is Aaron Jones. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be all systems go for Aaron Jones this season. I'm not worried about Jamal Williams. I think that Matt LaFleur comes in, totally changes the backfield, understands the sort of player that he has in Aaron Jones, and unleashes him to be a workhorse. And if that's the case, I think we're going to see a monster running back one season from him. So I'm not saying that I would take him in this spot. But I actually have him ranked as my number five running back behind wow. the big four. Tom Kesnick loves you right now. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> think, adores you right now. I think, hey, well, I, I, I love being adored. So thank you very much, Tom. I think this is just going to be a complete blow up season okay. for Aaron Jones. I mean, we've seen it, right? We saw it in 2017. We saw it a little bit more last year. When the team, when the Packers have committed themselves to him, as their go-to guy, he has delivered time and time again. He can catch the ball. He is good in short yardage. I mean, he does everything you ask for out of a running back. And the usage was so frustrating. I think that hurdle's removed this year. And I think we're just going to see him take off and just have an absolute monster season. A guy who I am trying to get in every single draft I'm in. I've, I've, risked, I've, I've been a little too risky in some spots thinking because of what his ADP is, uh, I've passed him where I liked him the best, but I thought I could get him the next round. But I, he is my go-to target in every single draft I've been in and every single one I still have ahead of me. So you really are looking to try to get him in the second round in most 12-teamers then? Yeah, that's pretty much – I've learned my lesson that you can't really let him go beyond that. Uh, so that's pretty much where I'm, where I'm going to be taking him now. I've tried a few times to let him sneak to the third round and 12 teamers and he's going now like end of the second, maybe he trickles into the very beginning of the third, but even that price is starting to come up. So yeah, if I'm in the middle of the second round, then I am in a position where I'm passing on, uh, you know, Todd Gurley and I like Todd Gurley. I'm not, I'm not worried about the injury too much, but I'm passing on him. I'm passing on. Dalvin Cook, guys like that. I'm passing on, you know, maybe Keenan Allen, receivers in that uh, vein, and I'm going for Aaron Jones. I just think okay. we're going to see a huge, huge year out of him this year. Yeah, and I think now that the hamstring is cleared as an issue, I think you're going to consistently start to see him go at the end of the second round because you know well, there'll be someone else that falls at some point, whether it's Antonio right. Brown freezing his other foot or you know the, the reverse Michael Scott that he did there, uh, or you know find, you know walking away from the team or whether it's somebody else you know that gets hurt you know in the third preseason game. There's going to be that injury and you know he's going to kind of creep up even a little bit more. I think. All right, who are you lower on than anybody else? Uh, and we can, I can stick with you at running back. Cause there's a few guys who I'm lower on than most people. Uh, the first one, the big one for me is, uh, Joe Mixon. I just, yeah, me too. I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen enough from him in his first two years to trust him in what could be a very bad offense and a very bad team. And those offensive line concerns are still there. Obviously Jonah Williams out for the season. I just think that it could be a really tough spot for him. Giovanni Bernard is still there. I don't think he's going to go away. I, I sure I, maybe Mixon ends up leading the backfield in um, in targets, but that's certainly not a slam dunk. And Giovanni Bernard still has his charms. So mm-hmm. I just think that it all adds up to a guy who uh, has obvious upside, 
but should be viewed as more of a late second round pick rather than the early second round pick that he's being treated as. So this is a guy who I, I just have, I have zero of, and I know I'm going to have zero of because everyone, there's always going to be someone who likes him more than me in my drafts. And I think I'm probably going to like him less than everyone in all my drafts and auctions. So someone who I am just not going to touch at all. I just think there's way too much risk uh, tied up in him. And another guy who fits that, uh, similar mold is uh, is Damian Williams. Uh, I just see no reason for the Chiefs to have any loyalty to him whatsoever. This is a guy who muddled around in Miami. Uh, he needed a suspension and an injury to get on the field in Kansas City. Uh, a, an injury to him, a slight injury, a, a bad performance or two, a couple of fumbles. And I just see that they could very easily turn away from him. This really has much more of a committee feel uh, on it than it ever did with Kareem Hunter, Spencer Ware. Okay, so I was on board with you on Mixon. I kind of disagree with you on Williams um, because he did perform with the Chiefs last year, and he did get paid in the offseason. That's why mm-hmm. I think that they do believe in him a little bit. Uh, and honestly, you know, Hyde, Carlos Hyde doesn't scare me at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really view him as a big threat. I, I think you know the bigger threat might be Darwin Thompson, actually, but... I, you know, I think that's a ways away. I, I mean, I think Williams is, I mean, he was legit good last year. Uh, I, I understand. Yeah. The one fumble, the one injury that, that is true. I think that's a, that is, that is a concern, especially the fumble part, uh, a couple of fumbles here and there. And you know, that could be a big problem injuries. I mean, they can happen to anyone. Uh, of course. the fact that he hasn't had a ton of carries elsewhere to me, that doesn't mean he can't have a lot of carries. I just think he hasn't. You know, he's never been the guy. Yeah, I, the, the, the my big my bigger my biggest concern, I guess, is all those things wrapped up in his ADP. Um, I just yeah, there's there's almost always someone who I like better. Is, okay, is basically my my issue with, with Damian Williams, and I just can't go the full measure uh, that it takes to get him. That you're saying, I I totally hear you. It's uh should be a great offensive environment. He did all credit where credits due. He did deliver. Uh, when he was put in a role to do so. Uh, so you can't take any of that away from him. But the opportunity cost associated with him for me is just too high. I'll, I'll, I'll take Chris Carson over him. Wow. Uh, will, Chris Carson yeah. over him? No way. <laughs> I, I would no way. A timeshare running back over Damian Williams? <laughs> more likely than not, I'm taking a receiver. In that. There's just, when you look at the receivers and even some of the tight ends who are still available, I just think they offer a whole lot more in um in value and in, in adp value than uh, damian williams does and i don't know man chris carson i want to talk about a guy who has delivered when given an opportunity chris carson was excellent last year and rashad and yet, penny was not and no I mean, rashad Carol penny was, averaged over five yards a carry from like week five on though Pete was, Carroll has proven he doesn't care about draft capital whatsoever. I, I think that, uh, that that Chris Carson proved himself last year. I, li- I like Chris Carson a lot this season. I think Chris Carson breaks himself running over tacklers, too, every year. But, uh, you know, I, it's, it's impressive to watch, and I think he'll be a good goal lineback. I, I, you know, I, I, Carson does well with what he has, but I don't trust him to stay healthy at all. Yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair point for sure. Yeah, so I don't know. I... I I, I do have some Damian Williams in my life. Um, I I think I've kind of cooled on him because he had that hamstring thing in tra- training camp too. I took I took Gurley over him and Jones uh, about uh, August third. I did the first beat Jeff Erickson draft in the NFFC. I had the twenty uh, third overall pick, so I had two. I started off with Barkley, and then it was you know Jones or 
Jones was missing practices because of his hammy. Williams was missing practices because of his at the time. It's like, and you know, Barkley, you know, Gurley was getting good reports. I was like, well, Gurley is a risk, but his ceiling is also one one. And I don't know. I, I, I thought so. I went Gurley then. I'd probably go Aaron. I'd think about Aaron Jones a lot more now, but I don't regret the other leagues where I have Williams. Um, we'll see about that one. I, I understand the risk factors. I also think that it's the best line you know, offense in football. Mm-hmm. And he he performed within that, and, and you know you know all throughout the offseason, Andy Reid did, said everything but the explicit words we're going to give him. You know he's going to be our main guy because the thing about the Chiefs is that they've had they they don't do committee stuff. I mean some some of the backup guys get some work, but for the most part, that number one back is a real number one back. I'd wonder how much of it has to do with the the, the player who's, who have been in that role. And I guess Spencer Ware doesn't you know jump off the page as right. any special kind of athlete, but I think Kareem Hunt does. So I wonder how much of it has to do with that. And I mean, if you go back to, I guess, you know, Andy Reid had, had Brian Westbrook in Philly, but he was a guy who was certainly willing to use a committee during his days with the Eagles uh, sure. when no one was the clear, obvious guy. And I agree with you completely. Damian Williams, I mean, there's a top five ceiling there. If yeah. he is, you know, if, if, if I'm wrong and if he is a 300 touchback and the best offense in the NFL, there's certainly a top five, there's a top three ceiling there probably. Uh, I just, again, comes down to opportunity cost. There's almost always, especially a receiver who I like better in that spot mm-hmm. when I would have to take him. Okay, fair point. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the wide receivers that you like and dislike. Give me a wide receiver that you're higher on than most. Um, Allen Robinson is one, and he's got okay. starting to climb up draft boards. But uh, I think the big point that's being missed with him is the fact that he didn't have a, a summer, a training camp at all with the Bears last year because right. he's still rehabbing that ACL. So you had uh, he was on a new team with a new quarterback. That team and quarterback had a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator installing a completely new system, bringing the Bears from about 1950 to 2018. <laughs> uh, it was just a totally uh, different situation uh, for Allen Robinson last year. Then this year, now he has a, he's played in that offense for a year. He has a full summer. He's totally healthy. Uh, Trubisky's in year two uh, with Nagy. Nagy's in year two as a head coach. Mark Helfrich is in year two back in the NFL as an OC. I just think everyone in Chicago is going to be more comfortable. And Allen Robinson is clearly the number one receiver for the bears. So I just think it all adds up to pretty easy profit on Allen Robinson. Another guy who I'm in on in a big way is Robbie Anderson uh, for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah. Obviously Robbie Anderson wasn't dealing with an injury last year, but uh, you know, new rookie quarterback, uh, they were, they, they had to play in a uh, you know, pretty slow, uninspiring offense. You had a defensive minded head coach. That's all changed this year. I think a lot of what we've seen from Adam Gase and Dowell Loggins previously in their career was personnel driven. Uh, obviously they they've run some slow offenses together in Chicago and Miami. I think they pick up the pace a little bit this year. Now that they can with Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, probably the best personnel that they've ever had in their time together. Uh, so I think that I'm not too worried about the uh, pace concerns that have uh, so wrecked or hurt some of their previous teams. Uh, and then you look at everything Rob, uh, Robbie Anderson did last season, again, feel like he's clearly the number one guy. And if Sam Darnold takes a step forward, which a lot of us think he is going to, uh, I think Robbie Anderson can't help but ride that wave with him. 
Yeah, uh, I can see that. It's so funny how the narrative on, on Adam Gaze has shifted back and forth. Before he got hired by the Dolphins, he was considered an offensive genius. And then he was a curse word last year. I mean, <laughs> if you're a Devontae Parker guy, uh, the last two years for that matter, or Kenyon Drake, you're like, what's going on here? And to be honest with you, I still don't understand what happened with Kenyon Drake last year. Yeah, me either. And uh, I was excited to see Kenyon Drake playing with a different coaching staff this year. Now he's in the walking boot, of course. Yes, so of course. We'll see what ends up happening there. But uh, I don't know. I really think that, I mean, so post Denver, right, he had the, the time with, with Peyton Manning. But then he goes to the Bears. He's got Cutler. He actually ends up helping engineer Cutler's probably best season as a Bear, one of his best seasons, certainly. Uh, and then he goes to Miami and he's dealing with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback and Ryan or, uh, Tannehill and like everything that was happening there just really felt uh, like it was personnel driven for me. And now you look at this Jets team and yeah, I'm not saying that the Jets are going to be one of the you know five or even 10 best offenses in the NFL, but there's a lot of talent here and I think they can play a much different way. And it's not like, you know, those Denver offenses obviously had the personnel to go, 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 and they did. Right. I'm not saying the Jets are those Broncos, but still, it's not like that, you know, Gase is not Jim Bob Cooter, for for example. Uh, I think that there's going to be uh, a lot more urgency to this Jets offense than we saw from uh, his team in Miami or from the teams he had in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I th- we'll see. I mean, I, I think the personnel is definitely going to be stronger here. I like Darnold. I think he's going to be uh... – and, you know, I, I think he's going to take a nice step up in year two, too. I actually think that, you know, you mentioned Anderson. I I think Anderson is is nice in that regard. I'm actually kind of coming around on his teammates, too, Crowder and Anunua. I think they're they're good, like, endgame sort of guys. Yeah, I totally agree there. I think that – I just think that that offense is a, is a nice – is a nice group to invest in. And obviously, uh, you know, Le'Veon people are going to fight you for, but the rest of that team, uh, whether it's one of the three receivers, whether it's Darnold, whether it's, uh, you know, taking Chris Herndon and eating the suspension with a different tight end for the first couple of weeks and then dro- dropping him in there when he's back. I think that that offense is going to take a big step forward. And there's a lot of lines of investment that aren't going to cost you anything. And Jameson Crowder is a, a little bit more of a favorite for me. Then mm-hmm. Quincy and Nunwa, uh, just yeah. he's going to own that. He's going to own that slot role. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a nice spot for Darnold uh, to continually look to. And we've seen uh, Jameson Crowder in you know substandard conditions be a guy who can own the slot and, and can turn himself into a very reliable option for his quarterback. So I like that. I like that we've already seen it from him in one spot. I think there's no reason to think that he can't duplicate that now with the Jets. Yeah, talk about suboptimal conditions. The Washington Football Club, they are just, <laughs> ugh, they're, they're still a bad spot. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I think that's a good, very good point. Hey, uh, so we're, we're, you know, on that negative note, before I'm going to ask Beller to go negative on a couple of receivers and maybe some other positions as well. Before that, and a quick note from our, our final sponsor, it's our title sponsor, Yahoo DFS. It's officially August, which means football season is around the corner and Yahoo fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called best ball. that lets you get in on the action. Now Uh, we're all familiar with best ball by now. It's become a big thing in our industry uh, and it's great. You know, instead of doing mocks, we're doing things where we got doing drafts where you have some skin in the game and still learning the player pool. uh, And we don't, we're not stuck having to do a ton of transactions. If you're like uh, Bella and I, you're in a lot of leagues. You don't necessarily want to add yet another where you're having responsible for all the moves. Leagues are great. Sometimes it's great to just draft best ball, do your uh, 
do, do your draft and find out uh, and learn the player pool that way. No free agents to do. No, you know, you get your best score. That's a big thing about that, too. So sometimes you can you know, take some chances on speculating on some of these committees as well. You can play for free or play for cash. But most importantly, get to drafting of the Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Jo- join the league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. Uh, I'm Jeff Erickson. My guest is Michael Beller from The Athletic. We've been getting some of his picks and pans. Now, Michael, I'm going to make you go negative again. Give me a wide receiver you're lower on than the crowd. I'm a little concerned about the Vikings guys because of the dramatic shift that that team made last year, yep. uh, at the end of last year, when they fired DeFilippo and they uh, uh, promoted Kevin Stefanski to OC. Then obviously they retained Stefanski. Um, he and Mike Zimmer both very vocal about what they want to do with their offense. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a Dalvin Cook-centric offense. And I think the, the biggest reason why I'm concerned about that uh, from a fantasy perspective is I think it can work from a winning perspective for the Vikings mm-hmm. uh, with you, you sort of Kirk, put Kirk cousins back in a spot where he is really effective. Uh, you work more short and intermediate routes with Thielen and uh, with Diggs, and, and you let Dalvin cook do his thing. Now, obviously that's a little easier said than done when Dalvin cook has the injury history that he's had, but we know what he can be when he's healthy. Right. And I still like Thielen and Diggs. I still think they're, they're two great receivers, but if that does end up working from the Vikings and they end up being a team that, you know, pushes uh, in the NFC North and you know, contends for a championship or even wins the NFC North, then I really think that it's going to be a formula where it's a very heavy Dalvin Cook uh, offense. So Adam Thielen, Steph Diggs, if I'm getting them as, you know, wide receiver, I don't know, 16 or so off the board, I'm in. But that's not going to be the case, certainly not with Thielen. And that's where I get a little bit concerned with those two guys. And then another guy who I'm down on compared to the industry is quite literally everyone's favorite breakout pick, Chris Godwin. And it's got little to do with Godwin. I do think he's a good player. And everything he did last year while fighting for targets with Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys goes without saying that was very impressive. But Everyone loves Mike Evans, assuming the quad's fine. Everyone thinks Mike Evans is a top seven or eight, you know, 10 receiver. Everyone thinks OJ Howard is, you know, the breakout tight end, the guy who's going to maybe join the Kelsey Kittle Ertz class this year. Uh, where are all the, where's all the work going to be for Godwin, right? I mean, it's hard to imagine that Mike Evans is going to be a top 10 receiver. Uh, OJ Howard's going to be a top four tight end. And then Chris Godwin's also going to be a top 17 receiver, which is ADP is asking you to believe. I think that one of those guys has to fall short of where their ADP has them. And if it's going to be one for me, it's going to be Godwin. So uh, a guy who I think is a great player uh, and really adds a lot to the Tampa Bay passing attack, but is going to slightly disappoint in fantasy leagues. I think that's fair. Um, And, you know, the thing is Godwin's price has risen. He was a fifth round guy at the start of draft season, and he's no longer that he's going in the fourth and, you know, you know, early fourth in many cases. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's just, it's just, the price is too rich for my blood. Again, it's uh, a lot of these guys where we talk about it all the time, it's got little to do with the player and a lot to do with the price and the opportunity cost. And when you know that Mike Evans is going to be a 160 target guy and maybe not 160, 140 target guy. And, you know, OJ Howard's going to be a 110 target guy. I mean, there's just, I'm not sure there's going to be quite enough for Godwin to, uh, increase what he did last year 
I think we could be looking at basically the same target share that he had last season, and he made the most of it, and all credit to him, but I'm not sure it's going to be this huge increase in target share, which is what a lot of people are expecting and why you're seeing him start to climb up draft boards. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, let's switch to tight end. First of all, how willing are you to, to invest in the top three tight ends? Very willing on Kelsey, pretty willing on Kittle. I'm not having a ton of Ertz on my teams. Um, just think that, uh, again, be, you know, it's pretty much we, we sort of know what to expect out of Philly, right? It's, you know, Wentz gets his, Ertz pretty much gets his, everyone else, you know, has their weeks. And I think that generally holds, but a healthy Alshon Jeffrey, you get Deshaun Jackson back, you get Miles Sanders in the mix, who seems like a back they like a little bit more than any of the backs that they've had in recent years. I just think that target share for Zach Ertz almost has to come down. So uh, I don't love him at his ADP, but I'm all over Kelsey in the middle of the second round. I am pretty cool with Kittle at the beginning of the third. I just think that that those guys are the clear wide receiver. Uh, uh, maybe it's a little uh, uh, aggressive with uh, with Kelsey since Tyreek Hill is not going to miss any time. But He's a wide receiver 1A, maybe Kittle's the wide receiver 1 in San Francisco. So I really, I am totally willing to take those guys at uh, at their ADPs. Yeah, and the thing is, it's all structural, right? I mean, it's how willing are you to wait on your RB2, RB3, or your wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3, because you're taking that tight end early. Uh, and for that matter, how comfortable you are with the, the rest of the tight end pool. Yeah, I like those guys in the middle. I do like Howard, Henry, and Ingram. I think they all have um, a lot of potential to uh, break out. I think we could see one or two of them maybe come close to joining that Kelsey Kittle-Ertz class. I think Howard and Ingram probably have the best opportunity to do it. Howard, because I just think he's purely the best player of the three. Ingram, because I think he's going to get a ton of opportunity in that offense, especially Tate out the first four weeks. So I do like those two guys, mm-hmm. but I do typically find myself in a leagues where I don't get Kelsey or Kittle waiting on the position and ending up with someone who, you know, I have more as a low end tight end one, a guy who I keep circling back to actually is Delaney Walker, uh, 35 years old. Obviously there's a little bit of a concern there. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee's offense, Marcus Mariota haven't shown us much the last few seasons. So there's some concern there, but even when that was the case, Delaney Walker was putting up, pretty reliable top six, top seven tight end seasons. And last year, you know, he broke his leg, but that was the first time he missed any time, uh, significant time at any point in his career. And it was a broken bone. Uh, you know, maybe if it was, you know, if he was dealing with like consistent muscle strains or he, he tore a ligament, that'd be one thing, but broken bone, it heals. It's good. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, pretty much uh, the, very durable guy that he's been his entire career. So I'm not expecting him to be a top three tight end, but you don't have to invest any serious resources in him right. and a healthy season out of him. I can't see him not being a top 10 tight end on the flip side. Who's who's overdrafted right now. Is it Howard? Cause of the concern you mentioned with Godwin. Uh, no, I, I, I think how, like I said, I think Godwin is the guy who is hurt by the okay. other players in that offense. Gotcha. So I don't think Howard's over. I, I just find myself, still prioritizing running back and receiver. If I miss out on Kelsey and Kittle uh, in the early, you know, first five rounds of the draft. So I don't think Howard is overdrafted um, for me. And it, it hurts me to say, because I really like him a lot. It's uh, it's David and Joku just because of, you know, Odell commanding what he's going to command Jarvis Landry, I think is going to have an excellent season. I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. And I probably could have mentioned him as a wide receiver who I'm a little bit higher on than most people are. 
And Nick Chubb is a superstar. I think we're going to see just another great year out of Nick Chubb. So, again, it's another thing where you start to do the math, and it's Odell's going to get his. Jarvis Landry's going to get 100-and-something targets. This is a team that's going to invest very heavily in its running back. I'm just not sure how many opportunities are going to be there for David Njoku. The player is great. The athleticism is off the charts. The offense should be great. But I'm not sure the opportunity is going to be there. And last year did have some issues with drops. So there could be a, a trust issue if he can't prove that his hands are fully there. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think that's that's a great point. Um, and I do have a little Njoku. Uh, it's always late. I get him like in the ninth or tenth round. I think his price is affordable. Uh, but yeah, I, I see some concern with him there. Uh, Chubb, I love, I'm with you on the Chubb love. Um, and that's not code for anything. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what happens when Kareem Hunt does become eligible? How much does he cut in? I mean, that's the one thing we just, it's, it's this big black box. We really don't know what they're going to do. It's one of those unknowns that we talked about earlier in the show. And it's, it's something that as you sit down to draft in the next week or two, I don't think you can worry about because that's week 10. I mean, that's, that's almost Thanksgiving. Like, we'll worry about that when we're getting our turkey ready. Uh, but uh, other than that, I mean, we know what Nick Chubb is going to be. Uh, and the fact that Duke Johnson isn't there anymore, I mean, I think this is just going to be an all-you-can-eat for Nick Chubb until Kareem Hunt comes back. And then when that happens, we'll worry about it. And it is week 10. Remember, it's yep. eight-game suspension. Cleveland's got the bye week nine. So week 10, I mean, we are almost done with our fantasy regular seasons. And I am not downgrading Nick Chubb because of what Kareem Hunt might be in week 10. We know what Nick Chubb is, and we know what he's going to be for those first eight games of the season. Uh, I am totally in on Nick Chubb. And if people in my leagues want to downgrade him because of Kareem Hunt worries in November, then I am happy to swoop in and take him. I just think that he is going to be a superstar this year. Lev Bell or Nick Chubb this year? Uh, Nick Chubb. I agree. I agree with you on that. Uh, Nick Chubb or David Johnson? That one's very close for me, but I'm I'm going Nick Chubb there too. Likewise. Uh, so uh, Nick Chubb or James Conner, last one of those uh, comparisons. There I will go Connor. Connor for me is just such a ridiculously safe floor. And he's no, he's got precious little buzz in my circles uh, so far. And, and granted, it's my circle. That, that's the thing. The fantasy football industry is so vast now. I know people are talking about him, but he's not like the, you know, I, I hear, I've heard plenty of the mix and talk, for instance. Mm-hmm. I've heard plenty of people talk about Chubb and how much they like him. I've heard plenty of people talk about David Johnson. I don't hear that many people have strong takes on Connor. And that's crazy to me because, you know, we talk about Damian Williams and the Chiefs being a team that, you know, favors having one running back and they don't, you know, at least in recent history, the Andy Reid has liked having one guy. He doesn't want to give it to a committee and totally fair, totally fair reason to buy into Damian Williams. Well, Pittsburgh, not only have they done that, but they proved to us last year that they will do that with James Conner specifically. So I don't see why we should be treating him as anything else than what he was last year. And he had the injury at the end of the season, but I mean, he was a, he was a top five back per game. And I I think that he can and will be that sort of player again this season. He's the guy who I'm taking uh, as like I said, Aaron Jones is my personal fifth back, but that's talking about where these guys were. I believe these guys are going to be ranked at the end of the season. The fifth back I would take in a fantasy draft is James Conner. I think that this is just another major monster year for him. No fear of Jalen Samuels cutting into his workload at all? Not really. I think they're, I think they're going to use Jalen Samuels. I think they're going to find a role for him, but I think they're going to mostly find a role for him as a receiver. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what he was in college at NC state. That's what I mean. They right. used him pretty much as H back. 
um, before uh, Connor got hurt and they turned to him as their lead guy last year. I think that you'll see him in the backfield and you'll see him get some carries. But I think that where his role is going to be in this offense is scooping up more of those vacated Antonio Brown targets than people think he's going to get. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, any other uh, observations of player pool you want to share before we send off today? Man, well, uh, I guess since I've since I since I've thrown so much love to uh, to Cleveland, I will uh, finish it off by saying I wish Baker Mayfield would maybe not get himself in so many uh, dramas where yeah. he doesn't have to be involved. But he is my QB one. I am all in on this Cleveland offense. I think Baker Mayfield is just going to, I mean, it would have sounded ridiculous if someone said, maybe not ridiculous, but, you know, sort of aggressive. If someone had Patrick Mahomes as their QB1 uh, at this time last year, it would have sounded ridiculous a couple years ago. If you had Carson Wentz as your QB1, he was on track to do it before he tore his ACL. Yeah. That's going to continue again this season. Baker Mayfield, QB1, mark it down. I think that Cleveland offense just absolutely takes off this year. Over Mahomes. I would take him over Mahomes and certainly at ADP, but even in a vacuum, if you told me, all right, you have to take a quarterback with this pick. Every quarterback is available. Who do you want? I'm taking Baker Mayfield. Mahomes would be my QB two. Boom. You heard it first from Michael Beller, Baker <laughs> Mayfield. Yeah. He, yeah. The, some of the stuff he gets into is our unforced errors, like this whole Daniel Jones thing, but uh, which mm-hmm. I saw a note that he apparently called him and they worked it out or whatever. I like the swagger. Um, and I like the performance. I, I, you know, I'm a Bengals guy, you know that, uh, but yeah, you know, I even liked the Hugh Jackson thing last year. I mean, I thought it was ridiculous when the Bengals hired him, and I thought it was ridiculous the way Jackson didn't play Mayfield at all with the first team last year in training camp. I mean, some really shady stuff he did there. Not shady, but just like questionable, questionable decisions. So, yeah, he kind of deserves some of that shade that was thrown at him, so I get it. Um, so, yeah, um, as far as uh, performance on the field, yeah, I mean, you add, you add Beckham, that's a great add. Uh yeah, I, I can see this Cleveland offense supporting quite a bit. It's the uh, it's the line that you worry about, but it, it, as long as that's not going to be too much of an issue for him, then I just think that this is going to be a uh, an offense that if there was anything other than Cleveland or Browns across their jersey, we wouldn't even be wondering, can this work? We would be saying, how well is this going to work? Right. Are they going to win the division? Uh, you know what? I still think Pittsburgh wins the division, but I think they both make the playoffs. I agree. Uh, Ravens can gum up the works like anybody's business, though. Um, they can. I think it, I think you're going to have three teams over 500, and my Bengals are going to be like 4-12. and 12. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, they, they all get those two free wins right there. That's what I'm afraid of. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I really hope I'm wrong, but I, I see no reason for hope. Uh, yeah. N- none at all. <laughs> you know, Zach Taylor, sure, I, I, I was, I'm fine with the hire, but it doesn't really matter until you change the owner, which also happens to be the GM. But right. that's, that's hey, the Big changing. Ten West is Big Ten West is wide open. Yes, it is. Go Cats! All right, we'll finish <laughs> on that note. All right, that's Michael Beller. Uh, I'm Jeff Erickson. Uh, thanks again for listening to the RotoWire podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review, uh, and hopefully check out the Athletics podcast too. Michael does a lot of work there as well. Uh, tune in tomorrow. We've got another great podcast coming at your way, and I've got the Baseball Pod with Chris List tomorrow. So tune in for that too. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to Yahoo for sponsoring us. Have a great day. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.